Good morning. It is good to see each one of you here, and uh, I'm excited to be here and to worship Jesus Christ this morning. <clears throat> As uh, Leon already mentioned, we're nearing the Christmas season and coming to the end of the year here, and uh, I guess I'm just reminded again of the need for Christ's light, Christ's light to shine through the darkness. Um, if it was not for Christ, his light, uh, in coming to this earth, the world would be a world of turmoil and chaos. And uh, I have titled a message this morning, From Darkness to Light. And uh, the question I had was, how do we distinguish between light and darkness? Um, is it easy to see? Is it easy for us to see um, spiritually light from darkness? Um, and, you know, morally, in the world today, the red lines have... Um, seemingly become less and less noticeable. Um, you know, we as God's people, we have his word and we have uh, people, uh, mentors, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us, but it's ultimately up to us to see the darkness for what it is. And I believe it's important for us to recognize that darkness um, in order for us to understand the need for the light of Christ, um, if that makes sense this morning. If we become immune, if you will, to the evil around us, our light may grow dim. And I'd like to think a little bit this morning about a lighthouse. A lighthouse is used to direct ships coming into the harbor uh, when it's dark at night and they need to see the direction to go and they see the light, they follow that light to come safely to shore. And I just imagine this morning if you were on a ship and you were you were at sea um, for many days and you did not have a GPS to guide you in to the shore and you were lost at sea and you were getting desperate and it's, it, it was, um, you were afraid of never finding the shore. And you know, out of the blackness you look and in the distance, way in the distance you see a light, a glimmer, just a faint glimmer of light. And you think, well maybe that is, maybe that is light, what is that? And sure enough, um, you see that it is the lighthouse and it is guiding you back to shore. And you can only imagine the thrill of every person on that ship as they see that light, knowing they are uh, safe and they're brought back to the shore. Um, and that, I believe, is a picture of God's love this morning. God's love piercing the blackness of, light, of night and, and uh, guiding us back safely to shore. So I have... Four points this morning. Um, the first one I want to look at is the effects of darkness. The effects of darkness. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. This is not the text um, that I want to, the text, main text of the message, but it's just the first, the chapter I want to look at first here. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So we see darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. Um, where there's no light, there is darkness. 
And uh, we see here in these verses that we are either walking in darkness or we are walking in light. There is no middle ground. So either our path is illuminated by God's light and, and giving us direction to follow or, or it is or, or, or not. Um, when God lights our path, it is a bright light. Um, I was, um, how, how many of us, how many of you here like to stumble in darkness? When it's, it's dark and you can't see where you're going, and, you, and you, how many of you enjoy that? I don't think most of us, us do enjoy that. Um, how many of you have ever been in darkness wishing for light? In the dark, wishing for a light. You feel so lost. When you're in the dark, um, you, you feel you can't find your sense of direction. And I've been already in the woods um, with, with a light, a headlamp that is going dim. And, it's, and you can't see where you're going and it's getting, you're getting scared, like I need to get back here before it gets totally dark or I would never find my way back. And um, also in the workplace, I've, I work already, I've been in dark places, attics or basements or whatever, and you're working and the light is going dim, you cannot see. And you will not get much accomplished without light. And as an electrician, uh, my line of work, I like to light up people's worlds. I like to bring light to people's worlds. And <clears throat> I like customers when they tell me to put some lights in my basement. It's pretty dark down here, so install some lights in my basement. I, I like to hear that. Not that I enjoy working in basements, but I, I like to light up the basements or attics of people's houses. And <clears throat> I'm guessing there's, with a group this size, there's probably a few of us here that probably should call an electrician to get some lights in your basement. Um, but now, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty here who has a dark, dingy basement, but it is, um, for me, I want to turn on a switch and I want to have light to have the whole basement illuminated and I can see where I'm going, especially if I'm working at the panel. I get down to the breaker panels a lot of times and, and uh, it likes, I like to see light. And uh, there's nothing fun about working in the dark. And so why do I say all that? Um, because we all know what the effects of darkness, walking in darkness is and can do for us, walking in darkness physically. Physically, walking in darkness causes you to stumble. The person walking in darkness remains oblivious to objects in the way. And... <clears throat> Oblivious, remain oblivious to your surroundings. Also, walking in darkness can cause injury. You never know what's going to slap you in the face as you're groping around in darkness trying to find the next light to turn on or stepping on what you're going to step on and I poke you in the foot. Uh, also, walking in darkness can cause things to get broken, stepping on things, items, whatever, and, and breaking them. Um, I've been there. Um, but what about spiritually? You know, physically, walking in darkness should be avoided. What about spiritually? How important is that? And we can turn one page over in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. I'm going to read that here. 9 through 11. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, 
because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. <clears throat> so it says here in, in, in the scripture that he is blinded. The person that is walking in darkness is not allowing Christ to light, Christ, the light of Christ to shine in his heart. And it, it mentions hatred here. He that hateth his brother or hateth those uh, friends or, or whoever, neighbors, whoever it may be. He that hateth, <clears throat> hateth his brother. Um, he is willing to stumble in the darkness and not allow the light of Christ to, to let him see. And I don't know um, this, if this here strikes home to any of us here this morning, you or I. Um, <clears throat> maybe we continue in darkness because we're afraid of what we're going to find there. Now, I've been in basements where that was pretty obvious, where people are afraid to turn the lights on because they're afraid of what they're going to find there. There's so much stuff in the way, and I can't, you can't even walk through to get to the breaker panel without stumbling. And, you know, um, so maybe, um, let's see where am I here? But anyway, the, the point is here is spiritually, um, how often do we f keep a certain area in the dark because we might not want to go there or because maybe there's, maybe there's something hidden there and we don't want to expose that to the light or maybe we're afraid of what we're going to find when we go there um, or maybe we enjoy the secrecy, I don't know. But 1 John 1 verse 5 says, in him, or God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God's light penetrates the darkness. And if there is a dark area in our lives, uh, we need to bring that to light. And in doing so, we will restore the full fellowship um, and joy that we have with Christ. Uh, because without the full light of, of Christ, there will be no fellowship and we will continue in darkness. So are we allowing this morning, allowing Christ's light to illuminate our, eye, our lives and just to rid our, us, our lives of dark areas and areas where we need to um, bring to the light. So the second point here this morning is the effects of light. We looked at the effects of darkness. Um, we looked at the effects of light. Now, it's amazing to me how light works. Um, just a small amount of light eradicates darkness. It does just a, a little bit of light can make, light makes darkness flee. And I was thinking a little bit about lightning. If you look at lightning at, on, on a night sky um, at, at night, and lightning lights up the sky and illuminates um, the darkness. And, you know, that is only by the power of our Creator to illuminate, uh, to, to create something as lightning. And I want to read um, Genesis. You don't have to turn there. Genesis 1, right in the beginning when God created light. Genesis 1, 3 to 5 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So we see that right from the beginning, God created light. And God instituted light. And he saw that it was good. <clears throat> light was good in his eyes. He knew, God knew that man could not survive living in darkness. 
Um, and, you know, I had to think, can you imagine living life here on this earth without light? Imagine for a minute without light. Um, if God, um, when God seen that we needed that. Now, now um, there is, um, in, in Alaska, there are some northern towns up in, like, the northern part of Alaska that experience um, two months of total darkness. And right now, it would be dark. During the day, it would be dark um, in those towns. And from like the middle of November to somewhere around the end of January, it's, it's most, mostly dark. And then even some months leading up to that and towards summer, there are very short days, just a few, you know, a few hours of light. And Alaska also has the highest suicide rates amongst any state in the United States. Um, so we can see what... I don't know if that has to do with it or not, but I would imagine living it, you know, that long in the dark, it would be discouraging. But um, as, as physical light is necessary for our well-being, so Christ came to bring light and life to a dark world, a world that was drowning in defeat. So let's, let's all turn to John chapter 3. Use this as the text here this morning. Very familiar passage here, John chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 16 to 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. <clears throat> so this is um, the scripture here, right after Jesus is Jesus's talk with Nicodemus, and when he asked him, you know, how can a man be born when he is old? And he explained to him the new birth. And <clears throat> um, the words of Jesus here in verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know, love, love um, reigns over darkness. It's because of his love and his desire to um, see men come to the light that he gave his only son. Are we grateful enough for that this morning? I was thinking about that. Um, that should really bring us to a place of um, just gratefulness. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your son to come here um, to die for us. <clears throat> and it says there in verse 19, men love darkness rather than light. Um, you know, it's an evil nature within men to, to be drawn to darkness. And, you know, as I, I was thinking of a, a robber, when a robber comes to um, rob a house or a bank or whatever it is, he will most times come at night, in the middle of the night when everybody is sleeping, and he can come undetected, or hopefully he thinks come undetected. <clears throat> and 
Um, most times he'll come wearing a black, a black, uh, a, a, a black scarf or a mask. Um, why? Because he wants to do this, he wants to be done in secret. And he thinks he will most, more, most likely succeed coming at that time of the night. Um, <clears throat> and it says, those who are evil, those who do evil, love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. <clears throat> and those are afraid of the light. Those who do evil are afraid of the light. Or they may run when no man pursues. I don't know if you know anybody like that who is always living on edge. They're afraid of being caught or afraid of, of meeting up with authorities. And they're just, there's a fear of getting caught. They love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And verse 20 says, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Now, I don't know how a person could hate the light. Um, it's hard to imagine why somebody can hate the light. But the answer is, they're lest their deeds should be reproved. Because when the deeds, wrong deeds are exposed, it brings shame and it exposes the guilt. And, you know, there's many places in the world today, um, there's, there's many communist countries and dictatorships, uh, countries in the world today who try everything they can um, to um, stamp out Christianity. And, <clears throat> um, you know, there's, uh, there's just an effort to, to squash out the light. And, you know, it's usually, you know, sometimes it's out of, you know, when, when, when there's Christians who are portraying that light and the light is shining, it's in those places where um, it reveals. It reveals the darkness. Um, and that's why, you know, there's, there's atheists and agnostics that um, do all they can to squash out um, anything to do with Christianity. And they try to, um, to, to uh, squash out because they're afraid of their deeds becoming brought to the light. And, you know, I think it works the same way for us as we display Christ to the world around us and to those we meet, um, whether it's speaking up and defending our faith. Um, and, and I appreciated Dale's message last Sunday where um, he spoke, up, spoke on being vocal for our faith. <clears throat> And, you know, as we are shining our lights in this dark world, our light, um, it reveals the darkness. It shines into the darkness around us and into the dark, um, the, the dark hearts around us. And, you know, if we are letting our light shine. And God is glorified. Now, verse 21. Let's all, let's all read verse 21 together. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So praise the Lord for, for that. Um, he that doeth truth wants to come to the light. He that doeth truth wants to come to the light because he is not afraid of darkness. He doesn't care if his deeds are exposed or manifest because they are wrought in God. And he knows that God is happy with, with um, him. So I just had to imagine um, this morning what it would be like 
in this dark world without Christ, without his light to shine, it would be dark and it would be gloomy, um, desperation, um, no hope. But, you know, this morning with Christ comes hope and fulfillment and energy, comes energy, and the list goes on and on. And so I'm so thankful this morning for the effects of light physically as well as um, and more important, spiritually. And, you know, God is associated with light so many times in Scripture. Um, so in Psalms, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Thy word is a light unto my path. And <clears throat> I had to think, too, in Revelation it talks about God's light, God's light lighting um, heaven. And I'm sure that light will be much brighter than any man-made light that is on this earth. Revelation 21 says that there is no need of the sun or the moon because the glory of God is light. The glory of God is light. And so that is one thing that we as Christians look forward to, to um, see the light of God and to see his face. But until then, we need to shine his light in this dark world. Turn with me uh, real briefly to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, I'm just going to read verses 14 and 6 through 16. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on an hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So he says, ye are the light of the world. You know, God is depending on us as his children to be the light of the world. You know, if we don't, who will? Who will? So we looked at this morning, looked at the effects of darkness and the effects of light. And I had to think this, um, you know, is my life, is your life shining brightly for him? And um, light, in, in lighting, lighting, the, the brightness of a bulb is dependent, is gauged by lumens. So if you want to tell how bright a bulb is going to be, you look at the lumens. If you're lighting up a certain, a certain area in a room or whatever it is, you look at how, how, mu how many lumens it is. An average 60-watt bulb is approximately 800 lumens. And, and uh, there's bulbs that go up to hundreds of thousands of lumens. Um, I, a little while ago, I, I put in a bulb for a parking lot that was, it was, it was a retrofit LED bulb that screwed into a socket, and it was a equal to 1,000 watt. It was an actual bulb just a bulb you would screw in. It was 60, around 60,000 lumens. <clears throat> so you put those two bulbs side by side, 60,000 lumens versus 800 lumens, and there's really no comparison in brightness. The, the, the bright one, you probably wouldn't even be able to see the smaller bulb lighting because it would, it would over, overbear the, um, the one that's bright, would overbear the one that's um, not as bright. And <clears throat> you know, I had to think which light do we want to be like this morning? That bright, that bright light that shines in the world around us. So that brings us to the third point, um, signs of dimming. Dimmers. Dimmers, uh, there are certain applications for dimmers. Um, a dimmer decreases the amount of light that is brought into the room. And, <clears throat> you know, the question could be asked, what ways could cause us, our light, to grow dim? How can our light grow dim. Um, I think, first of all, failure to have a good connection. And to, um, to lose the connection from the source, 
Um, in order to have our light shine brightly, we need to be refueling, refueling every day. Um, otherwise, the problems that we face in life and on a day-to-day -day basis, um, the loads of, of everyday life will cause our light to grow dim, our lamps to grow to go dim. Secondly, becoming attached to this world. Um, I thinking a little bit on that. Um, indulging, being indulging in politics doesn't draw us closer to God. Um, I have found that, in fact, if I am if I am interested in following the politics of the day, I think it it uh, causes the more attached we are to politics, the further away it draws us from from God. <clears throat> And uh, thirdly, materialism and money. As we draw close to Christmas, um, we, as, as Leon already mentioned, I, I wonder if we, instead of seeing peace and goodwill around Christmas time, we see greed and materialism. Um, over a quarter of Americans say they're going to be going into debt this Christmas, like 27% or so average going to go into debt for Christ, to buy Christmas gifts this year. Get this, 22% say they're still paying off debt from last Christmas. <clears throat> That's alarming. And Orange, there's a, a county in California, Orange County, California, the most affluent county in the nation. The income there is 80% above the rest of the nation on average. And when those people were surveyed, the overwhelming response was, we need more. And here there's hundreds of thousands of probably the wealthiest people, some of the wealthiest people in the world. And instead of being grateful, they, they need more. <clears throat> and so those are just a, a few things, a few areas where um, we can lose our connection. We need to stay focused on Christ. The last point I have here is this morning is in the, in the form of a question. How can we as Christians make our light shine brighter and more effectively in this dark world? And the first thing I have here is being non-resistant. I don't know. Sometimes uh, do we ever get motives of wanting to see justice done or revenge take place? Um, sometimes I, I have that in my mind. If, if I hear stories of, like, innocent children being harmed or, or killed or whatever, you know, you want to see justice take place. And... But we know, you know, God is the final judge, and He will justice will be served. And I had uh, made me think of a conversation that I had with a man this past week, and he was a pastor of a local church not not far from here, and he knew I was a Mennonite. And uh, when I, f I found out he was a pastor, I kind of wondered if I had time to talk to him. What's our conversation going to go, or what? What are we going to have, uh, you know, what are we going to say? Uh, he was a good man. I have respect for him. He was a good, good man. Um, but there's one thing that we differed greatly on, and that was the area of non-resistance. He, uh, um, he was, was in the military, and he came at me with some difficult questions. And <clears throat> he was a, a staunch supporter of defending yourself. He said, there comes a point in time when he said, enough is enough. And... He, uh, he told stories of many people being massacred. And, you know, he said, what, what would you do? Would you just stand there? And he brought up Hitler and all the Jews that were killed. He brought up other stories where people were just were massacred. And um, there's a 
road over here in Burnville called Bloody Spring Road. That's an unfortunate, un, uh, unpleasant story behind that. And, you know, he, he knew how I believed. He knew how Mennonites, we believe as Mennonites, that we're non-resistant. And I knew that. I just, I mentioned something about, are you trying to test my non-resistant Anabaptist faith here? And, you know, how do you, how do you answer that? And so I simply, just, I simply told him that as a follower of Jesus, I can't fight. You know, as Jesus would have never fought. And as, as his follower, um, I can't. And I mentioned the martyrs, you know, that willingly gave up their lives uh, for the cause. And uh, he mentioned that Mennonites should be policemen. They would make good cops, he thinks. But, but I said God ordained, God ordained um, government and authority. He gave that, them authority for a reason. Um, and if I would have had more time, I could have mentioned the two con kingdom concept, you know, Jesus, where Jesus mentioned um, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, then would my servants fight? And uh, Ray brought that out here a few months ago. And, <clears throat> you know, this, this man was a preacher for many years, and he probably knew the Bible better than I did, than I do. Um, but I believe he's missing a very important aspect of the life of Christ, um, being non-resistant. And then, you know, that got my mind rolling a little bit here this week. Um, and I'm not going to ask the question this morning, what would you do if? Not, not going to ask that question. But, I, but my thought was, if those martyrs, if, if the, many year, years ago, our forefathers, when they were, when, when the authorities came to take them, if they would have taken up arms, if they would have grabbed the nearest weapon that they had, um, and if Felix Mons, the first Anabaptist martyr, if he would have resisted arrest and, and recanted, um, if, if the Amish here uh, locally, the school shooting years ago, if the Amish, if they would have went to court and fought that, and, you know, or if Jesus, if he would have fought back his accusers when they came to arrest him, if he would have praised Peter for cutting off the high priest's ear, if non-resistance wasn't in Jesus' vocabulary, how could the light of Christ effectively shine through the darkness and the hate and the bitterness in the world today? You know, sometimes it's hard to be non-resistant. But, you know, people around us that are filled with hate and bitterness, and when they see that, when they see a non-resistant person, it, is, it has a way of softening hearts, I do believe. It takes love and not revenge to bring hope and peace to um, those who want to do us harm. And it's easy to say that and, and believe that. But am I at that place? You know, I was thinking, am I at that place in my heart that if it would ever come to that, to that place, I need to examine my, my heart. Um, and I hope the Lord returns before this world um, gets bad, whatever it comes um, in, our, in our path. Um, but God would not give us more than what we can handle. And, you know, I feel that maybe there is a time, maybe there will be a time coming where we need to make, make, that, make a choice. Um, and will we be able to display the character of Jesus to those who do us harm and be non-resistant in our words and our actions? Okay, secondly, produce fruit. And... I'll read over Matthew 7 real briefly here. Matthew 7, verse 16 to 20. <clears throat> Matthew 7, verse 16. 
Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. By their fruits ye shall know them. So we all know that you plant a hundred times out of a hundred. You plant an apple tree seed, it'll grow an apple tree unless it dies. <clears throat> In the same way, planting seeds, when we plant seeds of kindness and, and uh, truth and around us, it will grow and produce fruit. <clears throat> So, and, and in verse 19 there, it's, it's talking about um, hewing down. Every tree he hews down and casts it into the fire. <clears throat> so, you know, if in my life, in your life, if there's areas that need pruning, that need, need to be purged, um, we need, that need to go through the fire, God is more than willing to do that. And um, so, you know, let's be willing to allow God to cut out the dead branches and in so doing it will allow for new growth to spring forth and we can be effective in our walk with Christ and we can let our light shine for him <clears throat> so in conclusion this morning um, we all know the Christmas story and um, I don't intend for this message to be on Christmas I'll let that for Lester next Sunday um, but as we think of the events surrounding the nation of Israel, um, before, before Jesus came, uh, just imagine with me for a moment the, the nation of Israel over, the, over that time, the area of Bethlehem and Nazareth and, and Galilee, all, that whole area. Life was dark. It, 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 there, was, there, was, there was darkness. There was Roman oppression. The, the uh, Roman army seemed to be everywhere. And the Messiah had not yet come. Uh, people were waiting. People were waiting and watching for the Messiah. They knew that the Messiah had been um, prophesied that he was going to be coming to this earth. And <clears throat> taxes, taxes were unbearable. They were, they, they were taxed very, very hard. And <clears throat> it just looked so bleak in that time for the Israelite. Herod, Herod was king. And... He was a tyrant. He was unstable. And uh, the Bible says he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him was troubled. And word was coming to him of a threatening, a, a king. Word was coming to him that there was a king coming, and that king would be threatening his reign. Or so, or so he thought. <clears throat> So the, the, the picture is, it, it, it was dark and bleak, um, but out of the darkness, a Savior was born. And that Savior, Jesus Christ, was placed in a borrowed trough. He was put in a lowly manger, and he came and he brought light and life to this dark world. And, you know, as we, as we think about his coming, he was, Jesus was rejected by his own people. He was, he was rejected, not all of them, but uh, uh, you could probably say the majority of his people he was rejected by. And, you know, hopefully that is not the case um, for us this morning, that we 
um, are excited to have Jesus Christ come and light up our life. And, you know, I don't know if there's, if there's somebody here this morning who maybe feels like they're stumbling in the darkness. And I encourage you to, if you, if you feel that way, to come to Christ and allow him, his light to light your world and give you hope and peace. So in closing here, two questions um, that I have to, to let with us this morning. And these questions I also ask myself. <clears throat> How deep is my love for Jesus Christ this morning? How deep is my love for Jesus Christ this morning? How bright is my light shining for him this morning? How bright is my light shining for him? And, you know, as I said before, even if we feel like we are living in dark, in dark, the darkness, he wants to come and light your world. He wants to come in and give you joy. He did in Bethlehem some th a few thousand years ago. He did in Bethlehem, and he certainly wants to come um, and, and fill us with peace and joy as he brought life and light to um, the world many years ago. I think that's all I have for us this morning. Why don't we all bow our heads for a word of prayer? Father in heaven, we pause before you this morning and we just thank you for the God that you are, that you came many years ago, Lord. You made it possible. Um, you brought light and life to this dark world and that light is still alive today, Lord, in our hearts. And um, we just thank you for that. We pray that you would help us to um, portray that light to the world around us and illuminate that to the world around us, Lord. Just lead, guide, and direct us, God, as we go um, through life. Help us to keep you first in everything we do and say, and that our love for you would be a top priority in our lives. Just pray that you would lead, guide, and direct us as we go from here. In your name I pray. Amen.